episode 99 of the Women's Six podcast, official podcast of BehindTheBookPass.com. I'm your host, Adam McGee, and joining me as always is Jordan Tresky. Hello there, Jordan. Hello. That was as boisterous as my other hellos are. That was a, I give myself a three out of a ten. That was not a good one. Okay. Sorry. It's strange. I would have expected to be more boisterous, considering all that's happened. Exactly. That's what I'm saying. I'm already criticism. This is an emergency my podcast. My own toughest critic. I don't know if you. Well, maybe you are. Other people like your your gimmicks. But that's <laughs> enough. Enough about you for now. Stop trying to drive this. Sorry. Actually, people. This is a big day. Something. Obviously, there's big news. So. We'll talk about you and apples and stuff another day. <laughs> Today we're here to talk about Miles Plumley being traded to the Charlotte Hornets in exchange for Roy Hibbert and Spencer Hawes. First of all, your reaction to the news, Jordan? Well, I just finished eating lunch and I was trying to keep it down. Uh, uh, joking. Um, <laughs> uh, I was. It was kind of weird seeing because the first tweet from Mark Stein was or was a Windhorst. It was saying was, something like was from Windhorst, and it was saying that they're exploring. They were, yeah. Exactly. So when you see something like that, you're like, oh, like okay, like, and then all of a sudden it was like bang, like Stein drops uh, the official or completed uh, trade, then Woj backs that up by saying it's only completed they they're placing the trade call now all this stuff so it was like it was in a matter of minutes you're like oh like that's an interesting deal and then to it actually happening and then reacting and then uh eulogizing our former uh bucks uh miles Plumley and as that uh, you didn't mention it but uh steve novak had to be waived to order open up a roster spot so it's an end of an era. It's truly an end of an era. I don't know what to call the era, but it's it's the end of it. It's an era that in its entirety really only started not even a year ago. As in Plumlee may not as well have not existed from a book's perspective until about a year ago, even a little later. Um, likewise, Steve Novak was not a book at this point last year. Yeah. And... They both became integral pieces of what the books were doing. Uh, Plumley signed as a long-term center. Steve Novak as, I guess, chief cheerleader. 
<laughs> and fashion extraordinaire, re, re, uh, you know, innovator. That's that's what I meant. Uh, we'll get, we'll get to that with the tributes later. We'll get to that. Okay. Was your first reaction not complete and utter shock, though, that there's actually a deal happening for Miles Plumley of all book centers? Like, if I well, look, we talked about this. We we posted a round table about 90 <laughs> minutes before this, where I think we all said there's going to be no trades. I mean, it'd be great if there was a trade where they could get rid of Plumley or something, but there's not going to be a trade. So we weren't exactly expecting this, definitely not to happen right away but then at the same time if you'd said okay you're gonna wake up today and you know what will happen later the books will trade a center to the charlotte hornets and spencer halls will come back in some sort of package i would have gone sure i've been writing those pieces for like 18 months now <laughs> we long sort of looked at the hornets as a logical destination for greg monroe and the package though at that time, we often used to come back to it, but it would be something like Spencer Hawes and Jeremy Lamb. So part of this just felt like, oh, yeah, we've been waiting for this to happen forever. We even talked about Roy Hibbert as a potential guy that they might have looked at in the summer, which obviously that didn't come about. But so much of this feels familiar. And then there's the fact that they actually managed to get a team to take Miles Plumlee's contract without giving up a first-round pick, without giving up a second-round pick. They really just got rid of Miles Bumley's contract for two players who individually have had better seasons than him. And collectively, if they do play, which there's no guarantees they will in Milwaukee, may be able to contribute a little bit more, if only for the few months before they likely both hit free agency. Yeah, I mean, our dedicated readers and listeners, if you look at my answer specifically in the roundtable, I point out Miles Plumley, and this is not anything new. I think a lot of people are saying this, but I was saying it's already a sunk cost, and I made a stupid bridge joke like I usually do. But like I was just like this, we're gonna have to ride this out. That was my thinking about his contract. And again, as much fun as I've had with Miles Plumley this year, I still felt like there was something, even as like a, a ten. To fit well, technically he was a ten to fifteen minute player, but like I still found something like he was of use, if not for you know having one of the worst seasons uh, I can uh, uh, think in my lifetime. But anyway, uh, yeah, it was totally shocking just to see that of all the centers moved, it would be Plumley just because his contract, all that stuff, and then like you said, like it was kind of like a full circle moment where. We've long talked about Spencer Hawes. I know that's been a name where I just like, uh, like it doesn't move. He doesn't move the needle. It's all. always been a name we talked about for salary purposes, which is amazing considering yes. he's never been involved in a deal with the books with a center for exactly that reason. He's always been just one of those guys on the Hornets roster who salary wise could help make a deal happen. Exactly. And I don't think, if I remember correctly, that wasn't a contract that they that because they traded for Lance, right? Or they traded Lance for him and someone else. I can't remember who it was, but it was basically like they took out his salary. It's actually kind of weirdly similar to Plumley. Yeah, he right? signed that. He signed that deal with the Clippers. Yeah, um, and then he was traded with Matt Barnes. For Matt Barnes, that's right. Yeah, I was thinking, trying to think of who it was. Anyway. So not only Hawes um, 
comes. We also have Hibbert, who I know you and I were talking about this before, way beforehand, probably just after the news broke, but Hibbert was a guy we were talking about like summer 15, like one of our first podcasts, like a guy that, you know, if they don't get a – when we were talking about like Monroe or Tyson Chandler, maybe even Robert Lopez, we're thinking, well, this guy could be a nice one-year uh, rental considering that he had picked up his option with the Pacers. It would have been a nice gamble to do it if you, you know, struck out on the market. And now he comes. Um, so, yeah, it's just it's just kind of a weird – it's a weird situation where you're just basically, like, you know, changing hands. It's not unlike <laughs> Miles Plumlee and John Henson replace each other at the starting lineup, like, every two weeks or whatever. But uh, it's basically just changing hands. But, obviously, the biggest takeaway is just getting off is Plumlee's money. Because that was just going to sink them for the next four years, regardless of how he could have played for them. So, well, we'll, get, no. we'll get into more detail, but it would sink them this summer. It would really make things so oh, yeah, difficult for sure. this summer. Um, so it's really kind of incredible that it's gone. We don't have to worry about it. We'll get plenty on the books and every sort of every angle to this, every possible consequence as a result of it in a little bit. But I want to start out with something that I just can't wrap my head around. And I want to see if you're any further along on, and that's why do the Hornets do this deal? What what are they? And I think it was Mark, Mark Stein even tweeted that they've been longtime admirers of Miles Plumley. And that puzzled me even more. I was kind of like, well, where were they in the summer then? <laughs> this this just doesn't really add up to me as why they want that kind of money locked into Miles Bundy for the next three and a half years. I can kind of see it. Obviously, the money is the biggest issue. It's, I mean, that is their plight now. <laughs> um, so sorry, Andrew Snyder, uh, famed Hornets fan. <laughs> um but uh, I, I I kind of see where they're coming from, at least fit-wise. I mean, you're replacing Spencer Hawes, who he's done – I mean, comparing Spencer Hawes to Miles Plumlee is – I mean, you can only really compare them with, like, facial hair. Like, they're not a similar player at all. And Roy Hibbert – their, big, their biggest similarity might be their looks. I think they, they may look yeah. more like each other than any element of their game. Miles Plumlee, like, four years from now – Basically, in like the final year of his contract, if he just, I don't know, I was going to go down and around, but uh, I forget. Anyway, back to analysis. Um, Roy Hibbert, I can't, I mean, he's not really like a prototypical center for him. Like, I kind of see Miles Plumley as a Cody Zeller light, really. That's what they kind of want out of him. If you want to have a similar guy who can just basically be a role man to pick a role and then you know, supply some solid defense. I think that's what they're looking out of it. Obviously, <laughs> I don't think the price, again, the price take for them to bring that on. And then I think I, I, I can't say officially what they're not, like where it puts it at cap wise, but that's going to be very tough for them, especially with, you know. It's even worse than with the books, Jordan, because they're not. Yeah, because they're like capping, they're capping themselves out. Like they're really like, but they don't have the Giannis into the Barry. I mean, like Kemba yeah. and Nick Batum are good, but their ceiling is never 
going to be what the books was even with Plumley, and we're saying that while the Hornets like are having their own really rough spell at the moment. I just mm-hmm. it makes no sense to me because I, I get the idea of they've played their best basketball with Cody Zeller at center. They've extended him so he's tied up through to the end of twenty twenty one now. So he's their guy. Yeah. Then why not just let Spencer Hawes and Roy Hibbert come off the books in the summer and you have cap space and you find that guy in free agency, you maybe find someone better, you probably find someone cheaper for a similar skill set. Who knows? Maybe use the draft. They could yet have a lottery pick. Like, I just don't know what makes them pull the trigger and be like, Miles Plumley, this is a good idea. It's it's not our problem, thankfully, but it's completely blown my mind what made the Hornets do this. And I mean, I think they could have. That's not, I don't even think. If the books were in this discussion, I think you'd get a second-round pick out of the books. <laughs> I honestly think whether it's this year, next year, whatever it may be, if that's the point we're at, and John Hammond made it very clear in his brief statement that went up on books.com, like, this gives us more financial flexibility. Everyone knew this is the angle for the deal for them. The Hornets aren't thinking that the books are trading for Roy Hibbert and Spencer Hawes to try and get out of a a funk where they've lost nine out of ten games. So if it's all about salary, I mean... Use the leverage you have. Push them. Say, give us a second round pick and it's a deal. It's weird to me, but hey, all good news for us. Yeah, definitely. (laughs) Do you see any sort of role over the next few months for either of these guys? What does it do? I guess, first of all, before we go there, right? So Mark, Mark Stein has said, as of now, the book's seem intent on keeping both Hibbert and Hawes. <laughs> I'd be very surprised if we don't get one more trade of a big man before the deadline. Well, I think that's, I know, I know obviously the, the financial implications of the trade are the biggest takeaway, but I think it's not just this trade, it's also the, the Beasley trade, which, I mean, that came out of nowhere and obviously we uh, we uh, had a very famous podcast about this. We're not going to nearly go to that that uh, uh, reaction, at least personally. I will not go to that reaction, uh, or I ha- I don't have that same reaction to that trade as I did. Anyway, um, but I think this shows that they are even with maybe it's a slump that's accelerating things, but they are looking, they are being proactive. That is very. That's obviously the case. We've heard rumblings. Obviously, the Monroe uh, angle or you know saga, whatever you want to call it, that always hangs over them. But, I mean, as we've seen, they're sticking with Thon. It's only been two games, but they're sticking with Thon at starting center. Hansen has played, what, eight minutes in the last four games, somewhere around there. It, I mean – we, I don't know. I, I I think I really don't know, but I think there there could be something. There could be more on the way. Well, I mean, I, I'm only working off of like what are we three days maybe removed from Jason Kidd um, being quoted by Charles Gardner of the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel of complaining about the power forward logjam. And I actually said we spoke with this privately at the time. He yeah. was complaining before power forwards. 
um, counting both Yanis Jabari, Mirza Sledovic and Michael Beasley. And I said to you, is it not a bit weird when even the coach doesn't count Steve Novak in that? And now maybe, I don't know, maybe there's a little bit more to understanding that. There's a harbinger of something to come. Sure was. Well, that's, I just said harbinger twice, basically. But if, <laughs> if they've got a log jam at the four, you already yeah. still, without these two new guys, you've got Monroe, Ton, and Henson at the five. And Kidd has made it clear he only really likes to play two centers two. if foul trouble doesn't factor in. Are they just going to sit these guys out and say, okay, our roster runs 13 deep? I don't think so. I think there's got to be something. And to be honest, I feel it's in their interest to sort of sniff around and be like, okay, well, um, any team who's in it, injury to a center or something in the next two weeks or if they feel their deck is a little thin well here's all of a sudden where we used to say for the books from a trade scenario because 11 million um 12 and a half million and what's monroe 14 15 15 and a half million i think this year 17 maybe oh really okay 17.3 um, those kind of numbers weren't easy for teams to just sort of oh we've got an injury let's absorb 17.3 million mm -hmm. 5 million which is hibbert steel and just under 6 5.8 or 5.9 which is spencer hawes that's not an issue for most teams now that i haven't quite looked at this there are probably teams with trade exceptions that would get you close um if not you're talking to end of rotation players and it's kind of you know, the books might be able to actually flip an asset out of one of them, a second round pick. What if it gets to a place where, you know, if we're tracing back the branches of this deal, like we do with, say, the Brandon Jennings deal, particularly now, the lore of the Brandon Jennings deal has further expanded. But if we were to trace that back, by the time the summer comes around, we could be like, not only did the books get their cap space back and moving plumbly, but they might've got a second round pick or something out of it or a second round pick and a kind of rookie who's disappointed or a young player who's disappointed but may still have something that to me is interesting too and i just feel like there may be something in that because doing a good job of sort of keeping everyone happy with their roles or maybe managing that in the most stable of ways and that is only going to get so much worse if hibbert and hawes have been traded they arrive in a new city and it's just kind of like yeah we see no use for you but we're not going to buy you out that's not going to make them very happy they're both veteran guys and both guys who are playing for their next deal so they're not going to be exactly. happy to just sit and wait so that has the potential to be a little bit combustible i suppose and you just feel for that reason they've got to be looking at something else now i wonder the it might be entirely true then they're not looking to trade Hawes or Hibbert because maybe they're saying okay let's see if we can trade John Henson and then they're in a place in the summer where they will only technically have Ton who's guaranteed to come back they'll have plenty of cap space to go re-sign Monroe if that's what they want to do and they could then 
via the draft or free agency at another center on a local deal. They might just say, you know what, the criticisms of us have been right. We've made such a mess with the amount of money tied up at center. We now have an opportunity to completely reset that and do it for the best of the franchise. Like that's in play too. And I, I do feel that has to be a big motivation and like pushing through a deal like this is, I feel there's a very strong chance they're going to go go pretty hard to keep Greg Monroe unless he doesn't want to come back and he makes that clear early on. I'd be surprised if the books don't sort of go and do what they need to do within reason to bring Greg Monroe back next season now. Yeah, I mean, start with the first part. <laughs> we'll, get to, we'll get you your thoughts on Monroe shortly, but if we start the first part, so do you see the role for those two guys? Do they really have to find a trade for morale and everything else? Um, not to not answer the question right away, but you're what you're talking about with the Brandon Jenkins trade. It just popped in my mind. The from the Bucks side of things, uh, the Mike Carter Williams Brandon Knight trade has officially like the circle has been closed. No one exists from on the Bucks anymore. Obviously, MCO is in Chicago, Chicago, <laughs> and this is in Houston. Plumbing's now in Charlotte. Who knows when Brandon Knight gets dealt from the Suns? I mean, that's been a name that's been out on the trade market. For uh for some time, um anyway, uh that's just a random aside. Uh, as far as like roles, I mean, I know like there is a you're you hit on the head like obviously these guys want to play for the future, all this stuff, but it wasn't like things were kind of combustible already. I mean, obviously, what was it two weeks ago they had a the Bucks had a team meeting when they were lost four in a row in Orlando. And who knows? I mean, obviously, this is all reckless speculation. But, uh, I mean, th- things were already really good coming into it. And then if you're adding two players, like, I don't think it really changes. It, maybe it does change it. I don't know. This, these could be famous less words or something. But I don't think adding two guys that have to play for their future and all this stuff, like, I don't think it really like changes what is already like kind of setting in for the rest of the season. You know what I mean? Like now they've lost the last nine out of ten. Expectations have really shifted in a like, you know, in a big way, like as far as like from a fan perspective. So I don't know. Um, as far as roles, like specific roles, I honestly think I I would set the over under for like 150 minutes. Maybe that's might be too high for Spencer Hawes. But I would go under. I, I really think he's going to be inactive for most for the, for his time with the team, if not for like an injury or something. Um, I really just don't think that he's going to play. Um, Hibbert is kind of interesting because he he's having a fine season. Maybe he. I don't think he. I think they're. I don't know. I think he's just. He'll be fine. I don't know. I, I, I don't really have any expectations. I didn't say he's having a fine season. It's not true in terms of Roy Hibbert, in terms of a broader sort of what's a fine season for a center, but just in terms of... In terms of, I guess, what the books might ask from, that's fair. But he's definitely, like, he's way into decline. He's not the guy he used to be. Now, there are certain things he's going to bring that... You know, I wouldn't be surprised if he's the starter in a few days' time for the books and he's kind of playing 10 to 15 minutes 
and really it's Monroe still getting the bulk of the minutes and Ton maybe getting some. But yeah. particularly when they're in a really bad run where things are falling apart, Hibbert will offer rim protection. He'll communicate well. Um, his verticality is famed, even with him losing some of his athleticism. Like his rim protection isn't just his shot blocking. He's in, an incredibly intelligent defender around the rim. He has great positional awareness. You're really looking at all defensive things. He's they basically might... started cutting you off, but he's basically like making up for Henson. I mean, they are they. I guess you could just say Henson is the more athletic one, but they are really similar players, like down to the bone. He, that's I think that's what this really. I think that if from Hibbert's side of things, if you were to break down his like specific contribution and whatever, like how the Bucks view about him, I think it says more about Henson than anything. Hibbert obviously is this a a flyer, but I feel like they would probably trust Hibbert doing what they thought John Henson would do, and obviously that kind of shows with where Henson's role is in the rotation. He's probably still a better defender than Henson is, even having oh, long, yeah. de- long declined past what his prime ability was. Yeah, I would agree. So, with that. yeah, I guess that's interesting. On the on the Monroe side for them, are you feeling that unless he falls off the edge of the world, basically in terms of production in the next few months post All Star break, this is really setting up for them to be able to go and do that? Or I guess. Uh, look, even if it doesn't, I mean, they're back in the center game this summer of trying to find a center. Yes. The greatest the greatest hunt of them all, finding a center. The search. I shouldn't say hunt. Search. Anyway, um, I don't know. I think, I think all bets are off, really. I think if they have that interest, contrary to what, probably is out there what we've seen again. Um, obviously, this gives them more flexibility. I don't think it's just Monroe. I think, obviously, I think uh, Woj talked about it. Maybe Mark Stein said something about it. But I think Tony Snell, I think that's honestly, I'm ready to lock in that Tony Snell is coming back. And they're going, I don't know what that contract oh, is. Don't. I don't want to guess. I'm getting the feelings but, on this. Is this not what happened last summer? Is this not how Plumlee came back? Role player sort yeah, of surpasses but... <laughs> expectations, and then I mean, I mean they don't. I I agree. I think Snell Snell is being brilliant. Um, he is also now having, if we want to get into like textbook contract year, that is what he's doing with his crazy shooting. Um, yes. I'm all for bringing him back, but I be very careful about it. You've got to learn your lessons and not just be like, you know, he's been really solid. Ten million is now the four years, fifty-two million to Tony Snell. <laughs> <laughs> but it's they I could easily see four years forty million. And that's like someone could say that's the going rate. Look, it's not disproportionate to other centers, much like we did with Plumley. But then he comes back next year and he's just like maybe the Tony Snell the Bulls were more than happy to pass on. The Tony Snell that used to be shaking on Anthony Davis were like, Oh no, again, <laughs> come on. I mean, I just think they need to be careful of that. Sure, it does. Beasley, Snell, those guys who... Mon- I mean, we can't accept Monroe from this, too. Yeah, no, that's true. We talked and we talked about that recently. There is a possibility that Monroe is. I just feel like the defensive element of Monroe is completely freakish. 
But is it surprising that Monroe, a guy who has always scored with ease, always rebounded with ease in the NBA, has found a way in a role where he can put it together? Not really. There should have been a situation for that. It was very hard to pinpoint, but there always should have been some way where he could find a way to be effective. Where Tony Snell is Tony Snell. I don't mean that disrespectfully, really. You don't Jimmy want to Butler get... would disagree, according to the recent... Uh... Sorry. <laughs> I, mean, I was making that joke earlier and you interrupted me. But oh, yeah. oh. now I have it. I own it. <laughs> it's yours now. <laughs> I do think Snell is that same. He's a replacement level player, maybe just above that. And they, they yeah. now need to, if there's one lesson for them to learn from all of this is don't get too precious about your replacement level players. You've got your Middletons, you've yes. got your Yanis, Jabari, and then you've got the rest. Mm. I think yep. that's got to be the biggest lesson for this. And I honestly, I feel like they will take that from it. Before we get to the mailbag and we guess run through more of this in detail with everyone's questions, how impressed were you that they just that they did find a way to do it, that they did it this quickly? Uh, they've kind of owned it and moved on. That's not something that happens very often in the NBA. I wrote about this in one of the pieces I wrote on it since i don't know which one it was there's been a lot of whirlwind um but it's in the nba teams general managers front offices make mistakes all the time it's very rare they get to literally undo it which this is it's there's no cost there's no consequence the only opportunity cost to the books was well maybe they could have got someone last summer with the money they spent on Plumley. There isn't a guy that's jumping out, though, that they should have done that with. So they've really completely got away with this. Zili, not to bring up this old chestnut, but Fessuzili can be on the wrong broadcast. I'm making a lot of references to other like goings on in the NBA. Anyway, what's your question? <laughs> Were you impressed by the fact that the front office actually managed to just get this done, that they've moved on from it and they... I guess they owned up to it and they embraced that. You just there's times and there's been decisions made even in recent years within the books organization where we've seen a lot more stubbornness than this. That they kind of, you know, pride will kick in, they park their heels and say, No, we believe Plumley has something serious to offer this team. We signed them to that contract. And then by the time that's completely hilarious to everyone around the league, it's too late. You can't move them. They kind of got the deal done before before the sort of stink spread around the league on Plumlee? I mean, Maybe, we, yeah. we we already thought it was too late. Oh, yeah. Yeah, too late. I apologize. Um, but, yeah, I, I can I know there – it's like there's two parts about it. It's like, well, why did, why did you give him this contract in the first place? But owning up to your mistakes, and believe me, uh, I'm just gonna make it dark. But owning up to your mistakes, like realizing, like, oh, okay, this is not gonna work out. Like, even even though Monroe still is on the team, the rumblings that we've heard way back, like this time last year, like they were ready to own up their mistake of signing Monroe. Like, it's kind of been Hammond's but mo. Of, but they didn't. Uh, ultimately, but they, they didn't. But but who knows? Maybe details will emerge when. Uh, he eventually leaves or whatever, but uh, we don't know. Anyway, but that has been kind of Hammond's MO of owning up to mistakes, which 
I guess you can criticize him for making the mistake in the first place, but you can also laud him for owning I, up for it. I think you, that's you probably have, the you biggest have to reason. Well, right? You have to because it's, yeah. we can criticize him for making the mistake, and that's fair. But what do you want them to like wallow and suffer because of that mistake? To have to live with it for the duration? Woe <laughs> is me. We have Miles Plumlee. I mean, seriously, <laughs> you want them to say, "Okay, it was a mistake," and move on. And mm-hmm. there were plenty of books fans who I think would have been prepared to move on at a cost. They felt it was that bad. So for him to actually do it without any cost to them is really worth worthy of praise, in my opinion. I. I don't know how much you get it because there is always the element of, well, well, everyone's so happy about the books runoff is making this trade. They did sign Plumlee in the summer. Sure, they did, but that's the mistake. That's it. It happens. I talked about this earlier in the year when it was like Plumlee was getting no time. Like I said, okay, it's a mistake, but it's a mistake they're going to live with. They've got to they've got to move on and find minutes for him, do something. They've got to actually find minutes for Plumlee because they can't just say, it was a mistake. We're going to pay him and just kind of... You'll live to regret this. Right. So the fact that <laughs> within a few months, they've just said, you know what? This is beyond repair. That says a lot about Plumley, which makes me still complete. I'm left mind blown that the Hornets did this for what they did. They gave up expiring contracts for this. Um, just completely... I don't it's know. not it's, like... It's from a bygone it's not like era what they did the with NBA, this kind of deal, though. It's not like – I mean, they, they've had, like, similar deals. Like, the Marco Bellinelli one was kind of an odd one, too. And even though he's had – I think he's had a fine season. Um, it was still odd. Like, you're giving up a draft pick for – or first-round draft pick for Marco Bellinelli. Like, and then now you're getting Miles Pellini without asking for a pick in return. I mean, we all – like you said, we were all, like – Everybody was prepared. If there is a plenty deal to happen, you're giving away a second round pick. And we're like, you know what? That might be fine. You're getting out of a con- I mean, if you're you're obviously giving up a pick, but you're getting out of a contract that was already a liability from game four this season. Like it, I mean, it was like clear cut. So yeah, I, I, it's crazy. It's legitimately crazy. They're in a they're in a sneaky bad spot now because all of their moves for the last year, eighteen months. I wouldn't like, say sneaky. I think they're at a. I think they. I think they have planted their feet into. No, but I mean, they, even if they recover, they could end up with a with good seeding for the playoffs. Put in a good performance. They've got some good players and a good coach, but they've treated everything like they're kind of made to win, and they're not even close. Like, bringing back Marvin Williams was bizarre to me. Marvin Williams was good. Oh, I, but... thought, you were talking about, I thought you were talking about from a Bucks perspective. Sorry. I'm talking about the Hornets, no. I know, I know. I, I pivoted to the Bucks, sorry. No, oh. yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. Because bringing back, like, Marvin Williams. um, Even Nick Batum, for as good as Nick Batum well, that is. that contract, too. Like, that's a lot to bring in. You have the Bellinelli deal, as you said. And now this, you're training expirings for... I don't know what they think they are, but it's going to hurt them for the next few years. Who do you think you are? <laughs> okay, time for the mailbag. First one from at Alex underscore Koenig 023. Did we win this trade? 
Unequivocally, yes. I don't know why this was a question. This is... This is... I'll also add in, while we're on the topic of past mistakes and then, you know, learning and moving on, this is three straight trades the books have won. So, what was the first one? Beasley. Beasley Ennis. Snell MCW. I, I would count it Alvadova too. I mean, it can't uh, look for it's, a playmaker. It's not, I know, but it's not really. Come on. They it's haven't found good. one yet. They haven't. Where would it maybe? I know, but the books could have just signed him <laughs> as a free agent. It's not. It was only a trade for. It's. It wasn't really a trade. Come on. I guess. But the last three are big wins. Oh yeah. Beasley for yeah. Ennis, Snell for MCW. Ennis is not playing. Michael Carter Williams is not playing. Miles Plumlee will get to play, but Hornets for still how have. <laughs> for how long? Yeah, for how long? Yeah. Maybe he'll join. Maybe that. he gets bought out. Who knows? Isn't that isn't that interesting as well now? Because they're the three players in the Brandon Knight deal. Yeah. It's, I know they've all moved on. In a matter of what six months or September to February, five months. Five months, everybody for that trade is gone. And the books may have won every, well, they have won every deal individually. It's remarkable. Yeah. It actually is crazy. So, yes, the gambler. Alex. The gambler strikes again. The books have won the trade. The gambler is not done yet, I feel. I feel we might have some more gambles. He's got he's got a, the dice in his hands. He's shaking. He's waiting I mean, to it release was just the dice. So perfectly, John Hammond. We're what? the second day into February. It's not even really trade season yet. No, it's it, not. It is for John Hammond. It's like, no oh, yeah. one's talking about the books making a trade. I had only started the, sort of, the books are tentatively talking post, and then it's like, as you said, Mark Sand right. straight in with like, oh, it's it's being agreed in principle, and I'm like, wow, John Hammond just, when he decides he's going to roll that dice, he rolls a heart. To quote Dan Schaefer, uh, he said it's the John Hammondist. I can't say that John Hammondist trades of all John Hammond trades or John Hammond. Uh, yeah, that worked. Yeah, it's, it's John Hammondist trade of all John Hammond trades. Yeah, there we go. Well, yeah, that makes sense. Again, from Alex underscore Kings here to three. Who's more likely to be back in a books uniform this season? J O B. Or Novak. Novak is the answer. Could I make a a caveat? Maybe on the assistant coach bench. Who knows? Um, I, I, I would go. No, I, I would leave Novak. Play, but he could be back as a player yet. Yeah, I would. I would leave Novak. If they do make another trade, that opens up a spot. Novak back. Hashtag Novak back. <laughs> yeah, we'll keep that one handy for when it's like March 3rd and he gets signed. Right. Yeah. The next one from Matthew Holka. <laughs> Novak back. How long until we move Monroe and Henson? Um, uh, I, I, can't, I mean, there's no way that Bowdoin moves. I've said that, so now they will both be moved. But I really just I can't see any way that Boder moved. 
Just like I yeah. can't see any way that Plumley would be traders, but yeah. <laughs> Again, we are not uh, Nostradamus nor psychics. We are very lowly boxed bloggers. So um, yeah, I don't know. I think one of them will get moved. Maybe both of them. You do think? You do think one will get moved? Yeah, I think. I honestly think Henson is bound to be moved at some point. If it's not before the trade deadline, I think it's. It's. I feel like it would be like an Urson type deal. Remember when he got traded to the Pistons? It's like a random. It was like during the finals. Like no one gets traded during the finals. Um, yeah, that's right. It was just. Yeah, no, was, you're, you could be right. That might be again not to. The John Hammondiest of John Hammond trades. That one. Yeah, that's the that's the Ursoniest of Urson <laughs> trades. Like to happen. <laughs> during the finals for a trade for next season is still happening when the, the past season is still underway. That's yeah. From an Alex underscore candy zero to three. What do we do with Hibbert play wise and contract wise? I mean contract wise it's gonna run out and I'm sure that's probably yeah. where the books will leave it. If they maybe. need if they need a guy and he's gonna be really cheap next year, maybe they bring him back for I don't know, like if they traded Henson maybe next year the rotation being Monroe, Hibbert, and Tom would make sense. I don't know. Yeah. Um play wise we've touched on it. I I wouldn't be surprised teams do start a little i wouldn't be surprised and um, we're definitely not gonna see hawes on that role but hibbert might get some kind of spot starts Um he will he will kind of support an agenda or a narrative of oh look we're trying to fix the defense even though the main problem with the defense is nothing to do with what happens at the rim so he won't really do that but i wouldn't be surprised to see oh look veteran defender former all-defensive, if not first-team, second-team guy. Um, you know, he's going to anchor things with this young group. I wouldn't – if we start hearing quotes like that, don't be shocked. Oh, yeah. I think it's I think it's probably going to happen tomorrow, like at Shooter-On. <laughs> <laughs> I, would, I would place a, a, a sizable where, – uh, Where were the Hornets playing? When did they play last? They played last night? Oh, uh, Golden State. So, I mean, that's not that far away. It's not that far. Okay, so he could be in Denver tomorrow. Yeah. Who knows? From at readus underscore Muller, or own read Muller, have the books officially punted on the season? I kind of, there's something interesting to this in terms of they've got rid of two pieces that didn't really do anything for their season. So, technically, the pieces that were going to turn the season around you haven't lost anything. And then they've kind of added two guys that won't add much either. You're not really gaining a whole lot bar the cap space in this trade. If they don't make another trade and say if they don't manage to flip one for a guard, I guess. Um, it's not going to help you if your roster is effectively down to 13 deep and you've got five... Five centers. They could roll out an all-center lineup if they really wanted to. Yeah, they absolutely can. The, and but that's the, not even counting Giannis, really. That's yeah, counting. exactly. That's another guy. <laughs> so Giannis can and has played there, so that's six guys you can play center on, at the moment on the roster. 
and then you've got four guys more ton can play power forward you could probably play Hawes a power forward you've probably got six guys who could play power forward as well yep Monroe used to play power forward very unsuccessfully if you want to make it seven like between those two positions the roster couldn't be any more lopsided now it's not ideal um I think more than anything though maybe the books have just decided the season is what the season's going to be like if they if they turn it around the season becomes a good season they make the playoffs that's great if it keeps going like it is now it's a bad season it's not the end of the world and i'm really pleased and reassured by that this is a move about the future and um, my big fear was that if they were going to make moves around the deadline it was going to be something to get them back in the playoff mix one move down and we're not doing that we're doing things that will help make the team better in the longer term. And that is quite exciting to me. Um, I'll be honest, part of me now would very happily watch them slide. And, you know, if Ton is able to contribute over the next few years, and if he becomes a real part of that center rotation, if you had another rookie who could do similar, you know, things start to get to a place where with that kind of contract that Plumley had off the books, you can balance things much better. You could have a really, really great roster. Of course, with this team, there's other questions around that. Most notably, I guess, who would coach them. But <laughs> there could be the makings of something that really does have the potential to create a lot of noise. I don't think they punted on the season, but I do think they're just kind of passing on trying to influence the outcome of the next few months. They're just going to let what's going to happen happen. Yeah, I would agree. Like, if you're judging the move on – or if you're saying – if you're wondering if they're punting on the season by trading Miles Plumlee and waving Steve Novak, I mean, those guys weren't – you're punting on the season with them on the team. I mean, if they continue to slide without them, like, it wasn't going to move the needle. Um, But it does show that they are kind of like back in fact-finding stage looking for guys that – you know, opening up uh, who, you know, who they can look for in the future for a center, maybe obviously opening up uh, regular time for Thon, I would think. Um, yeah, I think, I think too, like they obviously were betting on being, you know, more successful, obviously not to bring this back up again, but having a season ticket or not a season ticket package, but a ticket package based on, Seeing 10 wins, like, I mean, that is kind of going all in, and that's their own gamble, uh, not to bring that back. But from the get-go, I mean, there have been comments about we're still, with Chris out, there have been, uh, I think it was from Jamie Dimon, he said, like, with with Chris out, we're back in, like, looking at developing and now trying to find players who fit their timeline, who can contribute, you know, not committing to guys, hopefully not making the same mistake as they did with Pumley. So, yeah, I don't. Again, I don't think this trade doesn't really say anything about their season so far to me. Uh, it just says more about Plumley, the contract, all that stuff. I guess that's another thing with Plumley that we don't talk about, uh, we don't think about because there's so many other issues. Plumley's 28. I mean, Plumley's going to be 31, 32 by the end of that deal. You're going to be paying him that amount of money when he's 32. So he's probably yeah. lost that extra bit of spring in his step and that leap that made him the 
maybe it was the only thing that made him work. Just give up his much. unicycle uh, hobby. I mean, there. It could be a catastrophe when he gets thirty-two. There if the books, if the books sign Greg Monroe to a four-year deal, re-sign them this summer, he's thirty at the end of that deal. Like I yep. think that's that's an important distinction in terms of looking at guys who fit in with the timeline. They obviously realize, okay, Plumley didn't just fit in this magical way that we were led to believe last year. Again, I wrote about this in one of my pieces today, but it's kind of like it's revisionist to, to laugh at this or dismiss it now. But they, in the summer, like we often talked about, they obviously put, you know, part of what we saw from Yanis and Jabari like last season was down to the influence of Miles Plumley around them. And then they were trying to exit interviews about resigning him. Like that was like an open thing. Yeah, that was an open thing completely. John Hammond said it that day. And And Plumley talking about too. But all of that at the time kind of made sense. But just as quickly to start the new season, they obviously looked and went, Oh, you know what? Um Yanis and Jabari improving was actually more about Yanis and Jabari than it was about Miles Plumley. <laughs> which seems yeah. obvious now, but wasn't at the time. So I I really like that element of it too in terms of whatever they do, it's going to be more in keeping with the timeline. Um, I feel like Plumlee is kind of a no, stuck in no man's land with that. It's What is 32-year-old Miles Plumlee going to be? Not in the league is what comes to mind for me, but I don't know. Do you think when they like gave him word, like, I'm just imagining the scene where he's like he, – and notify that he's going to be traded. They're kind of like a blow up or blow up. Like the someone's final words, maybe it's him, and maybe it's saying like some front office person, like and take your unicycle with you. Maybe that happened. I don't don't think so, Jordan. But if you want to envision it that way, we'll we'll leave you. To I already it. have. So you stick with that little picture you've painted. Um, from at Alex underscore Kenny to tree again. What does this move mean for Tom? I know you have said Hibbert could start, which that could definitely be the case. I think this says he is going to play a lot more. Maybe that I'm not saying 30 minutes a night. I'm saying I think he's going to be consistently a starter. I think they're opening up time for him. Obviously, I this also comes in with me thinking Spencer Hawes is going to be listed as an active whenever uh, injuries do not strike. I think this. I think that is the biggest effect of this whole trade. It opens up more time for that. I really hope you're right, but I don't necessarily agree. I think it could mean less time in the short term for a lot more time in the long term. I, an interesting angle of this potentially. I mean, we're like, oh, a few months of Roy Hibbert. What does that mean? That's not a bad thing for Tom, as in a mentor or someone to learn from. Yeah, verticality. Um, He's got long arms. I mean, Roy Hibbert seven two. Isn't he the? Wasn't he the tallest guy in the NBA? Yeah, at one point, I think. So that's you don't have a change with Boban. Yes, you're right. So before Boban, but there's not a lot of guys with that kind of height, that kind of, I guess, reach and wingspan. He can teach Tom a lot about. I guess what you're supposed to do about positionally what you should be doing if you're that kind of player, maybe not just permanently standing in the paint, which Ton is doing and getting away with at the moment. Um, I I do see 
I see Hibbert. I think Hibbert will get some minutes. I just think that's the way Kidd works. That's the way it could go. People will panic and be like, what? We're not giving Tom minutes for a guy who's going in the summer. But they may even be at a point where they're like, you know, we've kind of got more out of this season from Tom than we actually expected. Um, with a lot of the things that have been said, and I guess the questions about him when he was first drafted, we don't really know if they expected him to be able to contribute in any way in his rookie season. Never mind block Rudy Gobert three times and make three three-pointers in the same game. Okay, there was a lot of other stuff that went on in between that and plenty of negatives, but just being able to do that is not a kind of... It's a big deal. It's You can't kind of gloss yeah. over that. The same, he, he right, tiny sample sizes, but he's shooting like 56% for the field, and I think... Or sorry, he's shooting about 60, 63, 63, I think it is, from the field and 56 from three. Something in around that range. Like, small sample size, but even if that kind of tears back a little bit, I said this to Ty earlier, if his free throw shooting hadn't been kind of strangely bad, he'd be on course for a 50-40-90 season, not in the legitimate... Yeah, on course for a 60-50... Yeah, I'd expect it to tailor back if he gets minutes. Not in the kind of legitimate qualifying stats-wise way, yeah. but in a rookie season, if you were anywhere near those kind of marks, that's a big deal for potential. So if they wanted this year to be proof that, you know what, he is the guy we thought he could be, well, you know what, the potential is there. So I wouldn't even be that worried if it's if they see less minutes for Ton in the next few months. Although it would be nice if we could just continue to see Ton starting and doing things. I think, too, I mean, not to kind of add on to what you were saying about, like, expectations for Ton. I mean, Hammond was on, when he was on Woj's podcast a couple, maybe that was like a month, maybe month I don't even after. Think it, was about, it was about three weeks ago, I'd say. Three weeks. He said something like, he's not going to get the same opportunities as Giannis got in his rookie year. And obviously, we're, where the Bucks were standing at that time is far different from where we are now. And he's gotten the opportunity since then. So that's obviously a big positive. I, and kind of add on to what I was talking about with like, uh, playing time and all that. If people do complain about him not having playing time, it might just come down to the fact that he falls a lot. <laughs> like, I, I, honestly, like – he had what three fouls again? Like that is that honestly might be the biggest thing that could limit him is just the fact that he fouls so much. Um, and he wouldn't be so the yeah. first young guy that the books have had that issue with because that was a Yanis issue until very recently. Um, started this season, didn't we have that problem? Yanis is yeah, it still is for Yanis. Um, yeah, that's weird, but yeah, definitely. From Ad Andrew or VH, if Henson gets traded, who can the books get? I have no idea on this one, really. I've seen a couple of rumors I don't really want to go into. Um, but I don't I don't know. I think a guard is the way they'd look. Um, they may just look for more dead salary, and if they could get a second round or something again, that might appeal to them. I'm not really sure, though. Yeah, I mean, I, I can't really pick, like, a specific one in mind, but I think, as I wrote in the roundtable, so I could be wrong. I'm very wrong. Uh, <laughs> but uh, I think this really does say, like, it says a lot about Henson. I think that's really sunk in, like, the reality of who Henson is and 
he's not going to be much different, you know, down the time or down this timeline that they're projecting themselves at. I think that's that much we know for sure. From a THMS Deets, does Hammond get the credit he deserves as a GM? I thought this contract would be impossible to move. I'm always of the opinion that he doesn't get the credit that he deserves, and I feel the part of that is because the books have never been a great team in his time in charge, every mistake he makes is blown up to be the one and only cause. I don't think that's fair. I know a lot of people would level, oh, well, if they haven't been a great team, he's a general manager. It's on him. It's not really, though. It's not that simple. Like, you can't, for example, at the moment, blame John Hammond because the books are giving up lots of open trees. Yeah. It's a, it's a yeah. kind of, it's a tricky spot. And then even in recent years, it's like, we have the issue, oh, the Vaughn pick was terrible. Uh, well, even going back. What I mean, we've, but what we've heard is that wasn't his. Go to MCW trade. Well, that was Jason Kidd's guy. So I do think that, as you said, there's things that Hammond that, there are things that Hammond that we may someday actually hear about. I know that could be a long way off. Remember, there's a consultant's role waiting for him when the transition even happens. The gambler turns into the, the consultant. Him and Rod Torn sit in the back of the room, twiddling their thumbs. Um, but For the minds that brought you the gambler comes <laughs> the consultant. Mondays on CBS. Wow, can that make that happen? I hope that would be great if they could actually... I'll talk to Jerry Bruckheimer. Do it. That's the name, right? <laughs> I'm guessing the man who brought the world of Pirates of the Caribbean would be interested in a john hammond reality show as he makes his transition to being a consultant uh where was i going with that i can't remember oh i think there are a lot of things that for hammond have been more difficult than we'll actually ever realize until the time comes where he can speak about it even let's not forget his previous owner used to be particularly hands-on and opinionated about basketball decisions he hasn't, I feel, always had the easiest time in terms of the other people around him in terms of influence. And really, the credit for what the books are and could be at this current point can't be placed at anyone else's door. It's all Hammond. I mean, anyone could have picked Jabari maybe, but he got Middleton as a sort of throwaway addition to that deal. He's the one who drafted Yanis. It's really hard not to give him that credit. If the books eventually go on and win a championship, it'll be owed in part to consultant John Hammond. For the mind that brought you, I can't even say it. <laughs> Jordan was practicing teeing up a joke all that time. I could see him furiously oh. googling something, but it didn't happen. Here, let me try it again. Let me try it again. I don't. I don't have the time to edit this, Jordan. From the mind of Coyote Ugly and Kangaroo Jack comes the consultant. There we go. Happy now? That's fantastic. Yeah. Anyway, to answer that question seriously, um, actually, I can't answer it seriously. I just want, <laughs> I just want the, my stupid uh, – let's move on. Wow, what a, what a waste of everything's time. <laughs> and maybe that will be the name for this week's 
episode. That would be fitting for Plumlee, wouldn't it? Um, only when we need him, we trade him. <laughs> yeah, I'm not taking your suggestions again. People didn't listen to that podcast, so... <laughs> If you have, I mean, if you haven't listened to our last podcast, go back and listen to it. And if you have, or if you've seen it and decided against it, because you're like, what is the name of that podcast? Blame Jordan. It was a good one. It was at the moment. Can Asia. the next one from Andrew or VH? Can we please buy out Hall's contract? No, no. It makes it makes no sense. They're not going to do that. And he does have a player. Play, he does have a player option, right? It's worth. Knowing he can technically decide to come back next year, um, for six million. Another dollars. player, another player, a big man with the player option that we have to worry about here. Yeah, we're gonna have two of those. <laughs> um, so can please buy out? No, I I want to just touch on this without getting into the I guess the heart of it because there's a lot of this around. Spencer Hawes is the most opinionated player, or right up there politically in the NBA. Um, he is a little bit different to the rest of the NBA players, where the NBA generally tends to lean pretty far left as a collective in terms of where they at least publicly align themselves politically. Spencer Halls, on the other hand, is very, very far to the right. So there are reasons why a lot of people don't like what Spencer Halls has said um, in interviews, the kind of thing he seems to think. Uh, maybe some of the t-shirts Spencer Hawes has worn. I understand all of this. I kind of agree with all of it. At the same time, we're looking at a guy who's likely around for maybe just over two months if the books don't make the playoffs. Like that's, I mean, he'd be clearing out his locker in two and a half months if everything goes wrong. If everything goes well, maybe add two weeks and it's three months, right? For that, I don't really care. He can think what he wants. He can say what he wants. He's a basketball player. It was a trade that helped the books in a big way. It's a lot more important that the books um, get that plumley deal off their hands rather than say, no, the deal's off. We don't want two months of a guy who has those political opinions in Milwaukee. It would be really nice if... That was how the league worked, but the books got a got a once in a GM's tenure chance to just wipe a major mistake out of history. It was a, it was a get out of jail free card. That was they played their get out of jail free card. It was literally get out of jail free, and they did it. They were right to do it, and I couldn't really care about Spencer Hawes in any way being a part of that. It's like. He probably won't play. It doesn't really matter. If he does, if he says some weird things, that's great. He's not back next year. He's very <laughs> likely gone in a few months. We don't care, right? Yeah. Do you echo that? I mean, right. It, it, Spencer Hawes is hes one of the stranger guys in the NBA just with the way he is outspoken, regardless of his political stuff. Most guys kind of step back and say, okay, well, I know what to say and what not to say. I'm not going to antagonize people. He's a little bit different. Does it really matter, though? Not really. I mean, regardless of where like your thinking is and stuff like that, people can not get along even if they kind of think the same way. Yeah, you know I mean, like I, I, I don't know. I understand like the sentiment and all that stuff, and obviously uh, where we are today, like 
it makes total sense to kind but of. But it's also like, it's also played up, and people say, "How could, how could a team like that's owned by, yeah, notable, um, notable figures within sort of the Democratic Party or notable contributors to the Democratic Party supporters over time, how could they make this trade? Well, because where they kind of got their money from was being good businessmen, and. Yeah. This is good business. It's a deal that's like, okay, can we just get away from a stake and move on the summer? Sure, let's do it. Also, he, they're trading for a basketball player. It's not like it's a random Spencer, like Joe down the street. Like, I understand. Oh yeah, I don't but that doesn't it's, even matter. You're right. They're trading for a basketball player. They're not trading for his political opinions. Obviously, yeah. you would just like him to just, you know what? Can we just keep all of that aside and you just play basketball and not really do all of that for or a few months? Sit on the bench. <laughs> <laughs> obviously that's the ideal uh, but this is kind of an area where I feel it would have been very dicey to make a political statement over one I mean one mediocre if I'm being generous role players political beliefs I don't I understand yeah. they're not to everyone's taste they're not to mine but you can't kind of work like that in the NBA when a deal that just makes too much sense in a basketball perspective, which is what we're here for, comes your way. Mm-hmm. From at Markhead underscore G, this is nothing more than a salary dump, correct? Which is great, but there are no roles for the acquired players. It's a salary dump, really. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't, it doesn't matter really who comes in or. Who goes? Like, Miles Plumley being the player going doesn't matter. What matters is that Miles Plumley's contract is gone. I, mm-hmm. I think that's kind of important, too. This isn't just that the books couldn't use Miles Plumley. They probably could, but not at four years, 50 million, which they decided to try and use him at only a few months ago. So, yeah, it's a salary dump, and that is a very good thing. Yeah. yeah. From at Metastic. Should the books hang a hoodie slash blazer from the rafters in honor of the fallen Novak? Um, should I say? Should I tip my hand? Should, should I? I have no idea what your what your. Uh, so yeah, say it. Whatever it is. Say well, it. let's just say they're they're regardless if the Bucks pay tribute to Mister Stephen Novak. Uh, there may be a tribute on the way for for him in some capacity. Oh, yeah, okay. I didn't know where you were going there. Um, this is the regular readers who've been reading us for a while will notice. Um, you'll see a lot of our regular post-trade pieces come out today. The next step in this will be kind of retrospective farewell pieces, um, which will arrive on Friday for Messrs. Plumley and Novak, and I kind of had this thing of, I'm busy, I need to find someone to write the Novak piece. I don't want to just drop Novak and someone be like, hey, write this piece. And then I was like, Jordan, are you free? And he's like, yeah, I'll write a Novak piece. So Jordan has told me this is the piece he was born to write. Um, he said if it goes well, he may consider retirement after this post. This so- will be my peak contribution to the Bucks blog community and Bucks fans. If you if I were to think about coming back in some form and I'm just cutting bait, 
you will see the progression or lack of progression from this moment when that uh, comes out. You're saying it's all downhill from here. Yeah. And I'm not, by peak, I mean, it's not like a, like a peak like Mount Kilimanjaro. I'm talking about like a very small peak. Very small peak. But this is your peak. This will be your peak. This will be my peak. This is this is the monster you've all made Jordan into because he hasn't actually written it yet and he's talking it up. I I haven't written it, but it's in my mind. I have Okay. It's ready to go on the page. I got the related category, related dash category, I got the short codes going. Okay, so Friday morning, everyone look out for that. Um you didn't answer the actual question though. Should the should the hoodie blazer hang for the rafters? Um Will they have to read the piece to find out? Is that where this is going? There may be a mention of it. Um, maybe he, I don't know. Where, where, what is the state of the hoodie blazer? Maybe he got rid of it. I didn't think it had to be that exact one. They don't go, to. hey, they don't go, hey, well, it's not, they don't really, Jordan. They don't go, yes, hey, Kareem, do. can you give us a jersey to hang from the rafters? They make a nice, banner that has his name and number on it could they just do that nope, 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 with nope, a nope, nope. hood effect it's the one that he had sweated in the one that he sat in oh, okay this is it's too much <laughs> it's too much um from Matasic again was this a salary dump in an attempt to keep monroe i'd i'd hope um, i'd hope there's some thought that is going to that i said that on our last podcast, the one with the name that probably turned all of you off listening to it. Um, they really needed to use this time to figure out, like, are we going to try and bring him back? Do we actually really want to? Do we believe this is real? And if you're moving <laughs> on from Plumley, I'd be inclined to think, yeah, maybe they are. They're probably going to give a good run on it. Yeah. I, I mean, it in general, it opens up financial uh, or cap space, but you would have to think they are playing for that possibility of resetting Monroe if you were to opt out, which seems like a foregone conclusion at this point. So, um, yeah, I'll go, yeah. From at A underscore coffee four, our own Adam Kaufman, assuming Hibbert and Hawes are gone after this year, who would we look, be looking at in free agency? Mm. Well, obviously, Yathan, and it just depends on if they did trade one of Henson or Monroe. Yeah, I think Which... I think you've got Tan. One of those two, Giannis. Maybe both. Like I, I probably most likely for me would seem center is Monroe Henson Tan. Going yeah. into next season, I, I that's what I maybe would I, I don't know. You, I know I, you've I, got the Henson feeling gone now, but I lost. The, or, or, never mind. Um, yeah, I think in I, some if, form, if Plumley, if the Hornets just traded for Plumley to be a backup on that deal, <sighs> the books might just be better keeping Henson and being like, okay, you know what I mean? There might not really be. The eight million Maybe. a year center out there. I I don't know. I'm not saying there isn't, but that might be in play. I think there would be a risk to trading him and then being like, 
there's definitely a risk. If they traded him and Monroe could opt out, Halls could opt out, Hibbert is a free agent, you're only guaranteed to Ton Maker, who, like, we didn't know if he was going to be ready for anything coming back next year at centre. And this isn't a this isn't a summer where there are a ton of centres hitting the market. I think that's a big risk of if you trade Henson. Yeah, but there's well, also a lot of what there's if also a lot of just to go elsewhere. There's and also then you, a lot of you know, available though. Yeah, but but they're available because their contracts aren't great for for a big part of that. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. I think Henson's contract is fine. It's not great. It's fine. I'd be very I tread carefully on that just because there is always a possibility they can plan to bring Monroe back. Monroe I just decide like, oh hey, uh I'm being offered the same money to go to this team. I feel they're in a better place to win in the next few years. And you could just leave. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden you've got no centers, which would seem like the ultimate book's irony for us to go from complaining about Five. too many centers, all of the money tied up in centers, to only having Tom Akers salary counting towards centers. From at Alex underscore Kenny here to three again. Is there any chance we could flip either? Hibbert or Hawes for a different piece or pick, should they, if they can, i.e., what's their value? I think Hawes is here till the end of the season, um, personally. I, maybe I'm wrong on that, but I'd be surprised. I would make a phone call to the Cleveland Cavaliers, seeing as LeBron James is very desperate for a backup center, and say, hey, how about $5 million worth of Roy Hibbert for a few months? A team like that might give you a second round pick for that. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think Haas is for sure uh, locked in. Saying that, I mean, I, what do we know anymore? If Plumney just got traded without picks going, I mean, maybe you can trade Haas for something real. I'd be amazed, but maybe you can. I wouldn't think Haas, though. I wouldn't, but. Stranger things have happened. Like today. Yeah. <laughs> um, I would, th- yeah, I would probably keep in mind of keep sniffing around, obviously, about a deal, like you said, with the Cavaliers. But I do think Hibbert's probably likely to stay. Do they care? For the year. Sorry, for the year. Do they care, though? I mean, I know, okay, he might have more. Potentially have more use to them, but do they really care? I mean, if you get a second round pick, what does it matter? I mean, if if they're happy to start Ton still and Monroe is the guy off the bench, well, they're your two guys. As long as you don't have injury, does it really does it really matter? Move the needle that much to if you can? Why would you keep Hibbert for three months of what could potentially be a lotto bound season rather than picking up a, an asset, whatever that may be? Hmm. I, I I don't know. I don't know. Maybe I'm just Maybe. thinking too much in the opposite direction to what we were lucky enough to not have to think about a few weeks ago. Um, saying that, the other thing is, the Hornets are only, I think it's like two games ahead of the books for the eight seed right now. Yep. And I feel like they've got worse today. <laughs> so maybe the eight seed is closer than ever. I don't they know. They brought up Mike Toby. Uh, uh, right. Two first name. He was on the. I think it was this summer. He was in the Hawks summer league team. He's not bad. He he made it. I think late into Hawks camp. Even. Two first name Toby. 
I've never seen Toby as a first name with an E in it. Yeah, the spelling of it is just dreadful. It's this is the worst thing. Well, that's because Toby. it's not a first name. Well, Toby is a first name. Yeah, but not with an E in it. That's the point. It is baloney has a first name. It's T O B E Y. From a book's egg. Possible to trade Delhi or Monroe for Jordan Clarkson? The Lakers could use either, in my opinion, and the books need some off-dribble shooting. No. I don't think it's possible because, I mean, I'm not sure why they want either guy for Jordan Clarkson, but also, like... Why would the Lakers do that either? Why would they? They've got Clarkson tied down as one of multiple young players that are there, so what trade him and from... And they got Zubach. Zubach is in the... He's incubating. The incubating Zubach. Yeah, I don't I don't see I don't see any reason for that deal. Yeah. Um from Scott Kyle. Um was John Hammond just trying to shed that terrible contract, or is this the first domino of something larger? He was yeah, he was definitely trying to shed that contract. Uh and TBD. It could TBD. be. I think larger it, is again, the wrong word. Um there could be more, but I don't think it's like this is probably this is the biggest deal that they're gonna have. Really? Well, maybe not. I guess if Henson Henson's we, been around a long we time. We don't know. <laughs> um, I should stop saying things because when will I ever learn that? No, no, this isn't. Nothing can happen. Yeah, this is the books. Yeah. I had another one of those moments. Um, I think this was the closest to the to when the Michael Carter Williams Brandon Knight trade went down. For that one, I was in the middle of my dinner, and I was just like, "This." I had literally tonight. I just sat down. I was like, "This is great. No game tonight. I've got the night off. What am I got? What am I gonna do?" I looked at my phone, and I just went, "Oh crap!" <laughs> I hadn't had lunch. You know, the West Coast game last night put on my body clock, which is already, I mean, in a dangerously <laughs> strange state. All year round, putting that out of whack. Hadn't had lunch. Hadn't was about to have dinner. I was like, all right, now I've got to go right. So yeah, it's not. They just not do that. Can they give us some heads up? Can we get the rumor a day before? And then have a day before it all happens, not this thing that happened today where it's like they're talking, they have agreed, the trade is official. Even the trade was ratified so much quicker than I expected. That was like within the oh, space yeah. of two hours, we went through every stage of a trade. It is that is kind of weird too. I mean, like if you, I guess, it was always known that Carter or MCW was on the trade block, but like even that trade was like out of the blue. I know, <laughs> famous conspiracy uh, theorist will like look into his injury that that came, <laughs> but like even that came out of like the blue. Obviously, Beasley and this came out of the blue. Like even with Middleton. It was, I guess, it was more so the deal. Even even Snell MCW, we knew they'd want wing depth, but we didn't get any. The books have all of a sudden gone very quiet. With no one's leaking anything anymore. There used to be leaks. Now it's like, oh, it's just happened. It's done. And you're like, you're like, what? They've gone all the way to Hawks used to be, which was no leaks. I must grab that famous um, Hawks Photoshop, which was back in the day. It was. 
Danny Ferry in a rowing boat with no leaks on it. Maybe I should do that and put John Hammond's head on it. The consultant, Jerry Bruckheimer. From at David Dunn 21. Contract aside, Plumlee's failure to match last year's performance was mostly due to being the David Dunn 21. This is a poll. <laughs> this is not just... So we've got Jason Kidd, poor conditioning, showcasing others, or some other reason. Hmm. Uh, out of the answers given there, I think it would be B. I, I go with B as well. So I'm actually I'm going to place that vote on our behalf, Jordan. Thank you. Um, I, I said this earlier and I kind of whispered it because I, I felt it was a strange thing to say about someone. I've kind of alluded to it a couple of times. I don't feel Moz Bummy's in shape at the moment or has been at all this year. He just doesn't look in shape. So I don't know what the deal with that was, but yeah, I'd say poor conditioning. I will also say, though, the people if I could write... have voted 59% for some other reason, though, which is not particularly helpful. I um, might go with some other reason, though, as uh, like in. As a way let, me, let me hear it up. Let me hear it up. You gotta hear it up. Being who we thought he was. In other words, not being that good. Yes. Not being a $52 man. Not even being maybe half of that. That, that's that's too far low. But if we're if we're being sort of somewhat a reason about it, expectation also factors into this. He's viewed by everyone through a different prism when he's all of a sudden worth fifty million dollars instead of exactly four million. Wasn't that what it was before this? If even no, uh, I don't he's know. No, lower because he's still on his rookie contract. See, I was thinking he wasn't because he's so old, but. Two million, right? Two million last season. So you're gonna gauge the guy pretty differently when he's got more than ten million for this season than he was last season. It is kind of funny. His like, if you like view his Bucks tenure, which everyone likes to do, it's like when he first came, it was like, oh, well, how come he's not getting minutes? And then when he got minutes, it was like, oh, this guy's pretty good. And then it just again, I don't like my peak when you read the Novak article. Is like this. Boop and then boop. You know what I mean? Solid, uh, solid triangle. Hey, Plummies is more like a solid flat line. You kind of reach. Well, not, to, not this. Well, they, yeah, for this peak. year, but I'm just saying, like his trajectory is. Mean, like I'm talking like life support flat line. He reached that peak and then it was just. That's too harsh. <laughs> is it? The man has a family. Has he? He's got three brothers. That's true. Brothers. Okay, we know. We know he's got brothers. He's also got a sister, who's oh, called yeah. who's called Madeline. I think I saw this today. Of course, what's with NBA Malzina. families and needing to, you know, have the same initial for siblings? Or is that just a, is that just a thing some American families do? That doesn't happen here. That, I can think no, of like that happens a fair amount. Why? I don't That's know. Really strange. I mean, the Zellers didn't go through that. They have Cody, Tyler. Yeah, well, Luke. they're normal. Fair play to the Zellers. But, I mean, you've got, like, Kyle Corver. All of his siblings have different... And I mean, Kyle is a normal name. His siblings have weird names. His parents are with Kay. His kids, they're getting to the point where there's so many of them. They've ran out of normal names beginning with Kay. 
it just gets ridiculous i don't i just don't get why this is a thing um from aquag sport who will deli eat meat pies in exotic locations with now that steve is gone a 75 percent mm. wolf pack is just sad uh spencer Kelly, Giannis, and deli no. right and, and Novak, obviously yeah. spencer Hawes is already oh it was Novak. Never mind. um deli on twitter Wait, sorry, what? Spencer Hawes, he he already yeah. hit up Delhi on Twitter like straight away. Hmm. I don't I don't know why. Um, I don't know what the connection was there, but like straight Did after the news was breaking. Did he play Cleveland with him? Play which? In Cle- oh, Did maybe. Start- I forgot that Spencer Hawes was there. Um, I think he did too. Yeah, 2013-14, he probably did. Mm-hmm. Huh. Okay, well, that makes... There's, there's your answer, probably. Spencer Hawes, he uh, he tweeted, Sup, mate, to uh, Delhi five hours ago. So... Hardy Hawes. And that, no, that's it for the emergency podcast. Uh, more important than usual piece of housekeeping to get out of the way here uh fittingly enough miles Plumley has derailed all of our plans <laughs> much like the bucks this is the 99th episode of the winning six podcast that will be followed by the 100th episode that's kind of a big deal it's a big number we had some things planned and they are now going to be a lot more difficult thanks to miles Plumley. um the short of it is that we will have our 100 episodes sometime within the next few days. It will go out as normal on Monday. I think we're, we're probably going to record Sunday again, but earlier. So if you're looking to be a part of the mailbag, watch out for that tweet earlier. Jordan wants to watch the Super Bowl. Show you what's up there. Uh, is, I'll probably, uh, at this point, I will need to use that time for sleep. So I think it'll be the first time in a while, but I'll be giving it a miss. But that will be our 100th episode. Um, We thought we had a week longer than we now have to prepare for that. So it'll be kind of like lots of our other episodes. We do have one trick up our sleeve. I don't want to completely spoil it, but I mean, if you're a regular listener, long-time listener, you might put it together. But we'll have a familiar... A familiar voice of the podcast will return for a special segment. A long-time friend. I've said too much already. Mm-hmm. And we'll figure some other stuff out. I hope that we'll have some things that people generally like from the podcast that maybe haven't been around for a while. But what I want to finish this on is if you've been listening to us for a long time, we're open to suggestions. This is the 100th episode. If you have any bigger, broader, pressing topics you'd like us to do, any conversations that we've had in the past that stick out for you that you'd like us to revisit, send us an email. Winning6podcast at gmail.com. Tweet us at, at Behind the Books. We're open to suggestions. That does not mean we're going to take your suggestions and actually run with them. <laughs> 
but we will listen. I mean, that's the most we can. I feel that's pretty pretty fair. If we listen, what more can you ask? So, 100 episode, which is a big deal for us, coming up. We'll talk more about that at the time. But for now, that's it. Make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes. Follow us on SoundCloud. Add us on Stitcher. Read all of our pieces related to this trade today and tomorrow, that being Thursday and Friday. Everything else we put out on Behind the Book Pass as well. Make sure to read it. We'll be back in our regular slot unless the books completely mess with us and make us do an emergency podcast for like the Rashad Vaughn trade for our 100 <laughs> podcast in the meantime. But if not, you'll hear from us again on Monday. Thanks for listening. Thank you, Jordan. Thank you.